0: Invite you, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 16 through 18 this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 863. 863. 1 John. And I got to tell you, as we're getting ready to look at this passage together, that preaching through 1 John has been at the same time great and terrible. And it's terrible because it brings me kind of face-to-face, eye-to-eye with those parts of me that I don't like, and the parts of me where God's calling me to pursue greater levels of faithfulness in my relationship with Him and other people. And so it's a really challenging um, book of the Bible for us to walk through together. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Okay, so just think about that for a minute. The way that you know what love is, is what he's going to say. This is how you know that love. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my prized possessions in life is a 1993 Ford F-150. It is an XLT. So those of you who know anything about trucks know that in 1993, there was not a nicer truck that you could buy from Ford. It's top of the line has um, uh, power steering, tilt, cruise, AC, power windows, and power locks. Sometimes people are surprised if they ride with me that I've got power windows and power locks in my truck, but I do. And it's been one of those things that has become almost a part of the family, like, like a pet. Like in the moments where I'm like, this makes no sense, we're getting rid of this thing. It's kind of this family revolt of like, no, we're not. You can go, but we're keeping the truck. That's kind of how, and it's this thing that, it also have to be very careful driving that truck with any road rage that might overtake me because it's obvious that it's me in the truck. So, uh, you know, if I were to meet A. Brand in Crestline Village and he cuts me off and I lay on the horn, it's not like I'm going to be able to say, no, that wasn't me. What are you talking about? And just this past week, to help you know the value of my truck, I was in the front room of my house, and I noticed this car out front. And he stopped, and he was, like, looking. It was, it was an unmarked car. It had municipal plates. I'm like, oh, no, what am I doing wrong? But I step out the front, and I see the guy. and I'm like, everything okay? He's like, yes, I just, I, I come to this neighborhood a lot. I really like your truck. I was just taking a chance. Like, maybe you'd sell it to me. No lie, this week. I was like, sorry. I cannot sell it to you. Um, What color is it? It depends on what section you're looking at. Some of it's grayer than others. Some of it's what I refer to as primer gray. And and really, we're getting to the point with the top over the cabin that I'm probably going to have to paint it at some point because it's going to rust through and I'm going to have, like, rain falling in my head. And as much as I love this thing, every now and then my heart wanders. And I think, wouldn't it be nice to have a new truck? Like, wouldn't it be nice to have a top-of-the-line 2022 truck? And one of the things you can do now is you can go online. I sound like I'm 80. You can go online, and you can start with the base model and just start building it out. Like, you got the base model, but you can add. You can can get the 5.0 liter V8 if you want. And you can get, like, bigger tires if you'd like. And You can get custom seats inside, seats that get warm. You can make the thing drive itself if you would like. And what's interesting is, like, as you're checking the options as you go down, what happens to the price at the top? It's just subtly rising, you know, and you get to the end, and the truck that I built was $60,000. What a deal. I think if I had sold my truck to that guy the other day, I could buy, like, a tire on a $60,000 truck, you know? And and there's nothing wrong with customization. There's nothing wrong with that. If if you are able and willing to buy a $60,000 truck, God bless you. Just come give me a ride at some point. But I think there are parts of our lives that we take a similar approach to this whole idea of, What can I get, and what's it going to cost me, and what's my comfort level with giving over this part of me? And I think we do it with our faith a lot. So here's what I mean. You may think about faith, and you think, all right, I definitely want the base package. I'd like salvation. So I'll place my faith in Christ. I repent of my sins. I trust in Him. And so I know that now I'm right with God and with other people, And then there are options. It's like, do you want to go to church? I mean, so I'll take the church option. And then like, do you want to read your Bible? I don't know. Okay, fine, I'll take that option. And you can kind of work your way down and arrive at some form of Christianity that you're like, I can live with that. I'll take those options. It's going to cost me this much time and effort and money. I'll do that, but I can't go more. And in fact, some days I'd like to go less. And here's the really inconvenient truth about Christianity. That really there, there is no base model and there are no options that you're free to add on and take off. That really the deal that you're entering into with the Lord when you place your faith in Christ is, I want Christ and he gets all of me. I want Christ and he gets every part of who I am and all that I have yielded to Him and His purposes in this world. And we, when we live our Christian lives as if there are little options that we can check, then really everything is on our terms. And here's a nasty little secret about me. I am very selfish. Do you feel that way about yourself? Like, I want to help you as I can and as it's convenient. Or like, I'll do this if it fits into my schedule. And that part of me that is my life and what I own and what I have jurisdiction over, it's really hard for me to give it up in service of other people. But First John doesn't allow for that. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Now, if you were asked to define love, you might say all manner of things. I bet before the day is over, you will say that you love someone or something. Might be somebody in your house, might be your spouse. If it's not, I encourage you to do that before the day's over. Tell your spouse you love them. Could be some food, could be some experience, but probably you're going to use the word love at some point in a day. But what John has in mind here when he's talking about love is not just this emotion that we feel when we see something valuable in someone else or food or whatever. He's talking about our desire to live for the good of other people, even when it costs us. So he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And that song that we sang, Is He Worthy? Is he worthy of all glory? Is he worthy of all honor? Is he worthy of all praise? And the refrain is what? He is. And so Jesus, who has existed as God from eternity past, and if you and I could somehow, in our little feeble brains and minds, know what it looks like for Jesus to dwell with the Father and the Spirit in perfect fellowship before Jesus took on flesh, Whatever we would think about it would pale in comparison to the reality of what it looked like. It would be like saying, we're going to the Grand Canyon to see a small hole in the ground. If you've ever been there, I have not. I've only been to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, and it was awe-inspiring and big enough to me. But the reality of the real Grand Canyon far surpasses that. So whatever our understanding of Jesus' glory and honor with the Father and the Spirit before he took on flesh, it doesn't fully measure up to the reality. And in spite of all that, he laid that aside and he took on human flesh and was created just like you and me and not even in a form that we would have noticed him if he had been here. Like if we had walked on the earth the same time he walked on the earth, we would have just been going about our business, doing our thing, and if anything, he would have been below average, I think. And it's that part of Jesus' humility even that I think moves me more than, because I'm the kind of person that if I am something or I have some title or you should respect me, then I, then I want you to know it. Do you ever feel that way? Especially as you're parenting your children. Like that probably gets me more as like, brought you into this world. Like, I sustain your life. least you could do is, like, be grateful. You know, that's the part of the disobedience that's even harder. And so Jesus laid aside all of his rights and glory and privileges, and he took on flesh, right? And he was unknown and unnoticed. And he did all of that for whom? John says he did all of that for us. That's how we know what love is not an emotion primarily or a feeling. It's him laying aside his glory so that you and I might be reconciled to the Father. Now here comes the hard part. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So that word ought there is, you, you, could, you could say we're obligated. So in light of what Christ has done for us, we are obligated to lay down our lives for each other. You could think brothers and sisters within within the church. And I think there is this tendency in our faith, especially among Protestants and Baptists, that we're so worried about not giving you any sense that works, add to your salvation, that we really have a hard time giving you obligations. I mean I thought about that in my own life and faith this past week that, that there's this sense of like you're saved by grace alone through faith alone and what Christ has done for you full stop. You can't add to your salvation. You can't take away from your salvation. It's all rooted in what God has done for us in Jesus. And so then sometimes we, we respond to that and we say well I mean, it really doesn't matter how I live. Right? Or if anybody like, challenges me to a greater level of faithfulness, then we're like, hey, don't put that legalism on me. right? But John, and I think the authors of the New Testament, they thought differently. That of course, you can't add to your salvation. Of course, you can't earn God's love. But if you truly believe this first part, That Jesus laid aside his glory, he took on flesh, he died on the cross so that you might be reconciled to him, that that's love, that that there is then this obligation that you have to love other people in the same way that he loves you. We ought to lay down our lives for each other. And I've been, this this concept has been in my brain all weekend. And as I've done a couple of things for other people, there's been a part of me that thought, well, I mean, surely you're grateful. I mean, surely you could say thank you for what I did for you. But really, the heart motivation ought to be that if, that if someone were to thank me, I should say, it's just my obligation. Like, I'm just doing the only rightful thing that I can. Like, you don't owe me anything, and here's why you don't owe me anything because I understand all that God has done for me in Jesus. And this is just part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I, I'm obligated to you to love you. And then he says in verse 17, and I think this is actually a challenge for us to understand and apply. He says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, How can the love of God be in him? Now, it's just the case that our church is located in an area, and our church is comprised primarily of people where we don't see a ton of material need in each other. In an early church, it would have been a little different. It would have been more kind of a a different group of people coming together from all backgrounds, all shapes, sizes. But for us, generally speaking, like you're not going to walk into church every week and think, man, um, Wayne probably needs some food this week. Or Wayne probably needs some clothes this week. I mean, you might think I need nicer clothes or more attractive clothes, but, but you're not worried about me being in need. And so I think because of that, there's a tendency that we have to see verses like this and we think, well, that's only if I go to somewhere where someone's in material need. But but as I've been your pastor for six months, if I made it six months, um, it's, it's occurred to me more and more that everybody who walks into these doors every Sunday morning is someone who has needs. And they're not physical needs always that I can see and that I could tell you what they are. But as I spend time with people and as I think about my own heart and life and my family, like each of us, has need. And God's called us to see each other and recognize that and respond in whatever manner we can to help that person who is in front of us. I told the first service that, here's an example. My children are getting older. And as my children get older, they think I become what? Dumber. Okay? Their age, then maybe I become... And so... They need other people to come alongside them and say, hey, you know what? You think your dad's crazy, but really he loves you a ton. And this is why he's letting you do this or not do that, or this is why he's putting this in your life and not allowing this. That, that it's more than just something that I've been called to, but, but in a sense, all of us have been called to this in each other's lives. Or think about young married couples. Guess what? No matter how much premarital counseling I do with them, they will not be ready to be married. Do you agree? The reality of what they're getting into is just, I can't fully talk about it or describe it. you got to do it. And we have a wonderful opportunity to come alongside them and say, hey, we've done this a while. Let us love you and walk alongside you and help you as you figure that out. Or older people in our church who can't come anymore. And one of the most, I think, scary things for me, if I think down the road about getting older, it would be if I couldn't be around people anymore. If my limitations were such that I couldn't go to church or my limitations were such that I couldn't go out to the grocery store or whatever, that isolation that kind of sets in. And we have people like that at Mount Root Baptist Church. And so I want you to increasingly... Be prayerful about how it is that God's calling you to love other people at Mount Britt Baptist Church. I want you to do a thought experiment. I want you to answer answer the question. I want you to ask yourself, who at Mount Britt Baptist Church loves me? And who would you put on your list? And then I want you to think, who do I love at Mount Britt Baptist Church? Not in word, but in deed and in truth. Who in this church am I showing up for and working for their good, even though it costs me something? Verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This past week, I saw a lot of love in action and in truth. Anybody know what this past week was? Joel already gave it away. Anyone? BBS. And one of the awesome things about Vacation Bible School at Mountain Baptist Church is that we're normally Monday to Friday. Apart from the ELC, it's kind of a quiet place for the most part. But Vacation Bible School Week, it is not quiet. I mean, there's just life everywhere in every corner. Kelly's up here doing songs and motions with the kids in the sanctuaries. There's music bouncing off the walls. You go all throughout every floor. There's kids doing crafts. There's kids doing activities. There's snack time. There's people rolling around carts with what I imagine to be red uh, Kool-Aid and some kind of snack that you're just like, that's my childhood, right? And what is essential for us to do that? We must have what? Volunteers. We must. And in that week, you see people who understand that we have to have other people who show up in deed and in truth so that others could know Christ a little bit better. We also had something called Life Week this past week, which is kind of the youth worship, service, fun event that happens in conjunction with VBS. What do we have at VBS? I mean, at Life Week, lots of what? Volunteers. People that just say, hey, I'll show up and feed the youth. I'll show up and try to cook enough macaroni and cheese for all these kids. The youth prevailed once again. You cannot cook enough macaroni and cheese for them. Right? But go to events and lead games and develop relationships. And all of that is only possible as we have people who will show up for other people that they don't have to show up for. They volunteer. And one of my big goals and dreams for Mount Bernard Baptist Church is that every Sunday would feel a whole lot more like Vacation Bible School. There would be so many people who have a sense of calling and heart for other people that we don't have enough spots to slot you in. They're like, you email me and you say, hey, all right, I'm in. I want to show up and love some people, and I'm like, hey, I'll get to you when I can. Because I've just got, like, such an influx of volunteers who want to show up. I'll just have to let you know when I find you an opening. Because we've been so moved, not by guilt, not by the fact that we have to do this, but that God is gracious enough by His Spirit to help us to understand and really believe the love that He's shown for us in Jesus. Such that we start to look at each other and we say, "It's not optional. I don't get to choose. I must. I'm obligated to love you, and not just to say it, but to show up." Um, today is my anniversary, by the way. Um, bet you can't guess. I've been married 18 years. And one of my wife's favorite things that I have failed to do in 18 years is to watch My Fair Lady with her. Maybe before the week is out, I'll watch that with Mary. But she's talked to me enough about it, and I've watched clips in this one song that relates to this passage. In the story, as you know, she's trying to learn how to be refined and speak in the right way, speak correctly. And there's one part where she says, words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. You should Google it. Those of you who've seen it, you're singing it right now. I think John would say that to us about our faith. That we can tell each other that we love each other all day long. We can tell God that we love him all day long. And ultimately, what he's looking for is for that love to be expressed Indeed and in truth with each other. And it seems like you're giving everything up to lay down your lives for others, but Jesus said, What do you ultimately gain if you gain the whole world and lose your life in the process? And the only way to really experience life is to lay your life down in the pursuit of loving other people. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we pray that you would give us a greater heart of love for you and a greater heart of love for other people in our church. That you would move us to to yield all of who we are so that others would experience the abundant life that's found in Jesus and that they might be guided throughout this life and that they would know that they'll never be alone because of our heart and our love for each other. Give us Give us that heart in increasing measure so as people are brought into the life of our church, they'll experience um, the love that you've given us in Jesus. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.